This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Holland Assets Podcast. Uh, I am Craig, your host, and over there laughing at me already <laughs> is Chris. Two episodes in a row, I kind of start off. I, I can't help myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's a, uh, it's, you know what? It's Puts a energy. smile on my face every time. Chris, that's, it's hosting 101. Okay. You gotta get, you gotta have a little energy. Okay. Yeah, this ain't NPR. That's why you're the entertainment on this podcast. And I'm just kind of the <laughs> stick in the mud that sits back here and um, pushes up my glasses. That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, gets, uh, gets, gets the nerd out. It, it was pretty fun. Uh, so Motor Carrier HQ uh, and sundry related companies, you guys had a, a company outing a couple weeks ago and it was fun to, hear what other people around the company thought of me hosting <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that they laughed at and it wasn't always the stuff i wish they laughed at but uh, i i don't think you've told me that what's a what's a good uh oh just that i'm a just that i'm a weird dude yeah you are a weird dude wow well. <laughs> so all right chris uh today it's episode 111 right yep it's 111 okay um and we want to talk about uh, addressing challenges, how to overcome challenges and all of that. And that's what we're going to do. But before we do that, of course, I want to remind people to go to hollandassetsllc.com for full show notes and to make your comments, make your voice heard uh, in those uh, for, for all the show notes. There's a comment section underneath. So if you have a question, um, a, a bone to pick, perhaps with my entertainment value or, <laughs> or uh, you know, something Chris said, it's always going to be something Chris said, then yeah, you always. can do it there. Um, but you can also go to motorcarrierhq.com for uh, a lot of the resources, the tips, tricks, and uh, and the people that can help you make your company go. So, uh, motorcarrierhq.com. All right, Chris. Before we get into the actual topic at hand, is there are there any just little updates, uh, tales from the road, as I used to say? There's something that's kind of cool that happened in the last little bit. We I kind of feel like we've grown up a little bit as a company. We were able to, uh, we got applied for and got our own little line of credit with Holland assets that we plan on using. I think we may have talked about this a little bit more in the past, um, a, our, our own line of credit mm-hmm. and, um, we're just going to mostly use it for whenever we order a truck and a trailer, you know, typically the the trailer gets to us before the truck. We kind of do that on purpose so that, um, we don't end up so having a truck, a truck sitting. sitting and we can typically find another use for a trailer, you know, and they're usually, it's maybe a, a week or two, but the financing piece for it all happens at the same time. And so, you know, to be able to take delivery earlier on the trailer, we've got to pay for it early. And so this line of credit will help us pay for the trailer. Um, and then when the permanent financing for the truck and the trailer comes along, we can pay off the line of credit and makes things easy right in the past we've been doing that in the past we've been i've been loaning money for my other businesses to holland assets to do that um and this just makes it so that holland assets is kind of growing up a little bit and able to do those kind of things on its own without needing needing to go ask daddy for money (laughs) feels good right feels good yeah Yeah. growing up 
You're an adult now, Chris. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. Yep. I, I like your facial hair. It's, it's really going to come in, you know, once puberty's over. Uh, it, it should. Yeah. I'm hoping that's why that's why I've got the beard going on. <laughs> uh, okay, good. All right. So anything else you want to say on, on that subject? No, that's good. Okay. So the, the topic for today is uh, managing challenges. And this is something that we talk about. I mean, hey, hey, this will be the third or fourth episode that we've talked about Joseph of Egypt, right? You know, save for a rainy day or, um, you know, how do you deal with fuel prices or a, a driver that's costing you too much money or, you know, whatever the challenges are that that come up, that's the topic today. Now, we're not going to troubleshoot every single issue that could come up for, <laughs> you know, some company, uh, but we are going to talk about a few specific things and, and maybe give some principles uh, for how people can approach their own challenges when they're out on the road. Um, so, how's the setup? Fair? Fair. Is that, that what yeah. we're doing? Yeah. And, and the thing I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about to put this into perspective is when you own a business, you're always going to face challenges. And trucking, honestly, is more challenging than a lot of other industries in several different ways. There's some pros and cons to trucking. One of them is there. it seems like it's got you've got more challenges than a lot of other businesses. Um, but if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> right. And And business ownership is never easy. And the benefits can be great, but you're going to go through some challenges getting there. And, and we're going to talk about some of those challenges that we've faced the last little bit and um, talk about what we've kind of done to overcome them, hopefully help people um, avoid some of the mistakes that we've made and, and learn from what we've done. So they you know don't even don't even have to face some of those same challenges. All right. All right. So do we want to get right into some specifics uh, or do you have any more general principles you, you kind of want to talk about? Um, let's go into the specifics. Yeah. Okay. So what's the first challenge you want to talk about that uh, Holland Assets has been facing recently? One of the big ones, and, and this really isn't, I mean, this is a challenge that you're going to get no matter what business that you run into. Um, we, and we talked a little bit about this in the last episode when we covered the PNL, but we have, we have a driver and this is a, a situation where I hate it when it happens like this. Cause this guy is the nicest guy out there. Mm. Super good. Um, a, overall, other than the fact that he kept getting in small accidents was just a great driver and he's a good person. He's a nice person. Um, easy to work, work with. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of thing. But he just finally one accident too many, um, and it was kind of bleeding us dry. And and in this kind of freight environment where profit margins are pretty slim as it is, we just could no longer afford to keep having this kind of you know little mistakes happen. So we had to let him go, and that's that's never easy. It's never fun. We ended up having to sit the truck for a little while long, you know, and, and you never want to do that, but. Um, it, it's never a fun thing to do. Um, but sometimes you just got to do it. That's, that's part of owning a business is right. letting somebody go, even though you don't necessarily want to, but for the health of the company, sometimes you just have to. And that's, that's sometimes you have to look at the greater good of the business and the company that affects lots of lives versus the one life you're affecting, um, by letting them by go. By letting them go. And, yeah. and we, it just got to the point, like, the damage that was being caused to the health of the company just didn't support having him yeah. around, you know, which I is unfortunate. I, I remember when, when I first started in banking, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it was, uh, gosh, more than that now. <laughs> How old am I, Chris? Uh, but I, I, I took my first job as a teller and I, I was such a good salesman because part of your job, you know, people come up to the teller window 
and you're supposed to find little things to sell them on is send them over to the bankers and they can uh, uh, then they can close the deal. Right. And within six months, I got promoted to uh, the banker position because I was so good at that selling side of things. Um, and it's a good thing I did. It's a good thing I got that promotion because, boy, was I a terrible teller. <laughs> you know, I never balanced my cash drawer at the end of the day. Numbers, there, right? right yeah, 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 exactly. What was this yeah. on a spreadsheet? Come on, I can't manage this. Um, and, so, and you know, most of the time it was chump change, you know, a few bucks here or there, whatever. I just miscounted, you know, my ones or something. But sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes, it, you know, I fat fingered a number a on hundred. a check or yeah. something or, you know, and so... Uh, yeah. So uh, the reason I bring this up is simply to say, you know, sometimes you have an employee who just yeah, for whatever reason, they're just in the wrong job. Um, they're, you know, they're a hard worker. They're intelligent. They're, like you say, easy to work with and all that stuff. But sometimes it's just you have to recognize that this isn't your, you know, inborn skill set does not match well with what we actually need in this role. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, when, when I'm working at the bank, Great. There's another job that I'm much more, you know, uh, suited to. Uh, but sometimes there's not. And you just have to part ways. And that that hurts a little bit. It does. But, but it doesn't necessarily, I guess my point just being like you're saying, he's a great guy. It doesn't necessarily have to be a reflection on his character. No. But, but yeah. And, and it wasn't. He was he was a good guy. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, that's that's hard. So how did you um, how did you come to the decision? And then uh, how did you end up, you know, having that conversation what uh, what were the conversations if you don't mind me asking behind closed doors before you made the decision and then how did you break it to him that's a good question so we we Nate and I had had this conversation you know regarding him with kind of each accident that he'd had and and talking through it and we just never felt like the time was right and and the last accident was actually a fairly small one but it happened in the yard of the new shipper that we were talking about and in we're the just last like, episode in the last episode. Yeah. So like it, that was just kind of like, okay, not only is he costing us money, he's also, we, we can't have this kind of thing happening for some, a, a company that we're trying to, to win over, to win over. Yeah. And so yeah, that, he's that's, damage, damaging trucks and relationships and, and potentially. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So that was kind of the, uh, the, the last straw, so yeah. to speak. Uh, so what'd you do? So we just had a frank conversation with him. We'd had conversations with him. Like he kind of knew he was on his last straw with us. And so he knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that it's never easy, but that makes it a little bit easier just cause it's not a surprise. For yeah. You're, you're at least on the same page. Yeah. And that's, I, well, you know, I would say this is a tidbit that people can take out of this conversation. Um, and this goes for any industry. It's not just trucking, but yes, trucking as well. If you have somebody working for you and things aren't going well, don't let it fester. Communicate. Make sure that they know that things aren't uh, going the way that you were hoping they would. Uh, give them ways that they can fix it. You know, expectations, reset expectations for, you know, what they need to do going forward. Because, yeah, there's nothing worse than when it comes out of nowhere. Um, I, I had a buddy of mine recently who got let go and he had no idea, um, that his employer was, was, uh, displeased with his effort. Uh, so yeah, he had no idea and it came out of nowhere and it was just brutal. Right. And that, and that's really not fair to anybody. And so, and this is one of my philosophies with, with working with people, whether it's a driver at Holland assets or it's one of my officers in the, in the army, um, I'm I feel like talent management and developing people and making it better is a big 
one of my big critical roles. Mm -hmm. And, and so when people are making mistakes, I I'm always the kind of person that let's sit down and let's talk. I typically have a verbal, you know, um, just a, a, a verbal warning, warning communication. We talk about it. Um, if the behavior continues or something similar happens, we'll notch it up to a, a write up and, you know, kind of depending on the circumstances, it may be a do this one more time and you're gone. Right. Or, you know, we, we sometimes we ratchet up a little bit further than that. Um, but I, I think that communication and making sure people know kind of where they stand is important. I think it's better for you. It's better for them. And um, it's not always easy. Those those are hard conversations to have some time. But I think they're critical. And, and just sweeping it under the rug is the worst thing you can possibly do right especially yeah in the long term so um all right so anything else on that subject that you want to get into with uh, having to let a driver go or should we move on to the next one let's move on okay so uh next up you wanted to talk about fuel prices and we did talk about this a little bit last week or two weeks ago i guess uh on the july financials episode the fuel prices were just out of control what'd you say 70k uh, for seven trucks that's ten thousand dollars per truck and each truck if i remember the numbers right ran about eleven thousand miles on average okay so our average is eleven thousand miles ten thousand in fuel that's a lot of money it is a lot of money that's so so you said last week all right you know now that the fuel prices are looking like this we need to actually sit down and figure out what more we can do about this we're not just gonna kind of let this go because the other number uh, that I remember you mentioned last episode was that typically your fuel prices had been what in the 25% give or take range. Uh, 25% then, of revenue. Of revenue. Yep. Sorry. Yes. Thank you. A 25% of revenue was going toward fuel. Uh, and then it jumped up past 40 in June. And then in July, yeah, it came down a little bit, but it's still 38% of revenue is going toward fuel. And the, yeah, compared to 25%, that's a lot, a lot of money. Yeah, so, and that difference between 25% and 38%, that translates into $20,000, a month difference right. in expense. And that's huge. Absolutely. I mean, you. so last month, the uh, Holland Assets realized a loss of 17500 And what you're saying is if fuel, if the fuel costs that you guys were paying were uh, under control in the same way they had been in the months previous then who knows, maybe it wouldn't have been a loss at all. Even with all the other exigent circumstances that came around, it might not have been a loss at all. Yep. Because that 25% number, 25% of revenue, you were able to do that even when prices were at their nightmarish peak back in what, March, April, yeah. if I'm remembering right. Yeah, except for it's fuel prices. But yeah, <sighs> Dang it, you, you're spot on except for that. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. I'm marking it. I'll go back and bleep it. I'll, I'll honk it out. All right. That, that'll, everybody will appreciate that. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, the way fuel prices are right now, you, you've kind of have two, two things happening that are causing this increase in the percentage of a revenue. One, revenue um, numbers are going down. So your, our, our rate per mile that we're being able to charge right now is less than it was back when it was right. was better. But then also the fuel expenses have gone up significantly in the last six months, the the overall cost of fuel. So those two things, decrease in revenue, increase in um, in fuel expense. Fuel costs, yeah. yeah fuel Perfect costs. storm. It's, it's, it's caused that percentage to just get completely out of whack. So it's something that we're going to try to bring into, into control. 
And the first one is just actually managing the cost of fuel. And, and so that's what I want to talk about right now. We'll talk a little bit about the revenue side in a few minutes. Before you get into what you're going to do, let me ask you a question. Do you have a target in mind? Um, here's the percentage of revenue that we think is acceptable. You know, you have these percentages for things like deadhead miles. Uh, here's what's low, here's what's high, you know, and here's what's acceptable. Uh, do you have a number in mind that you're going to be shooting toward as you talk about all this? I want to get back to that 25% range. I don't know if in today's circumstances that's going to be 100% realistic. So mm. with fuel, fuel is one of those things that you have some control over, but you don't have complete control over. And when I say you have some control over, you can decide how much you idle. You can decide what speed your trucks operate at. You can decide um, you know, how hard you're going to negotiate fuel pricing, how closely you're going to monitor where you purchase fuel to make sure you're getting mm. the cheapest least expensive fuel available. So you right. can control all of those things. You can't control what's happening in the market. Right. So it, with our last, the last thing we were talking about was letting the employee go and you know how, how to deal with the situation like that. And the, uh, the overall takeaway I had from that was communicate. Uh, and here it sounds like we're going to be talking about find the things you can control. Yep. No, you can't go to you know, you can't go to Exxon and say, here's what you should set your prices at. Here's <laughs> what we're going to pay. We're going <laughs> right. to pay $3 and 50 cents. Right, exactly. But what can you control and find those things and work on that, right? Yep. And so here, let's talk a little bit about kind of fuel purchasing strategies. So when you're a, a, a single owner operator, you don't have much negotiating power, right? You're probably right. only purchasing, um, you know, one to 2000 gallons of fuel a month. And so you can't go to you know, one of the major fuel suppliers and say, hey, I want a better price. We're like, well, how many gallons are you going to bring us? 2,000. And they just kind of probably laugh Hang you out up. the door, right? Yeah. Um, so we at Holland Assets now with seven trucks, we're kind of starting to get to the volume where you can really negotiate, start to negotiate a little bit. And so I've done, Nate and I have both been doing some research to trying to figure out what this is. And, and kind of from what I'm seeing, it looks like once you as a company are purchasing about 15,000 gallons a month in fuel is when you can start to say, hey, we want some better fuel pricing. Right. And so we're we're not quite there, but last month we did a little, little over 13. We're adding another truck. That's going to get us really close to 15,000. And so we, we've actually started that process. We think we've got a, 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 a deal that's fairly favorable to us um, in the works. And, and we should start to see some benefits from that. Maybe a little bit in September, but hopefully in October, like the full month of October, we'll, we'll see that, that better fuel pricing. Right. Now, is this, um, is this an all or nothing thing? You know, hey, once you can start negotiating prices, you're going to get a great deal, just like that 10,000 truck fleet. Uh, or is it going to be commensurate with the size of your company? It's going to be commensurate with the size. So other places that we've talked to, so they're, they're in fuel pricing, there's different ways that you get you price it. So there's cost plus pricing, and then there's retail minus pricing. So cost plus is basically the big fuel companies say, hey, this is how much fuel costs us. This is how much it costs us to transport it to the travel plazas mm -hmm. and put it in our tanks. And all you add all those things together, and this is kind of what our cost is. And then they add a certain percentage a certain, on top. Yeah, a certain amount on top of that. That's cost plus pricing, which is typically the most favorable. If you sure. can negotiate a cost plus deal, you're doing great. The other is retail minus. So if if it's you know $5 a gallon, we'll give you 25 cents off each gallon. 
you're getting whatever that posted price is minus. Um, and, and so that, that's good, but it's not the best route to go. And so we, we've seen the range of everything from you can get with certain guys, you can get cost plus pricing in that 15,000 gallons range. If you've got some other things you can bring to the table, like you're willing to give them some, um, some of your maintenance expenses or mm. some other things. Um, and, and we've seen it as high as, Hey, you're not going to, we're not even going to talk cost plus until you get to 40,000 gallons. Right. And so, you know, somewhere in that range is, is when you can negotiate. So what I'd recommend if you're getting to that size of a fleet where you can kind of start to have that conversation, talk to all the major fuel suppliers. So when I say major fuel suppliers, I'm talking about the, the pilot flying J's, the loves, the TAs, um, all those, those bigger places. And, yeah. um, you, you, you probably, can start to get some favorable pricing, maybe even in the 10,000 gallon range, but it's probably not going to be as good. Right, right. And not an easy negotiation. And not an point. easy negotiation. Yeah. And the other thing too, is if you can show you're growing, you know, they, they think you're going to grow into that fairly quickly. They'll, they, they might talk with you or they might say, Hey, we'll give you this pricing when you're at 10,000 gallons. We'll give you this pricing when you're at 13. We'll give you this mm -hmm. when you're at 15. And then once you get up above that, We'll renegotiate the contract. How um, how standardized is all of this? Do these fuel companies have, uh, you know, they have their rate sheets and, hey, you know, if somebody's bringing us 20,000, uh, then we're, we're going to give them this. Or is it very much like a, uh, you know, an old school smoke filled room, like kind of hashing it out? There's uh, a little bit of smoke filled room hashing it <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things I would recommend that you do is if, if you have other buddies in the industry that might be a little bit bigger than you, find out how much they're paying mm -hmm. and then use that kind of as a negotiating tool. You at least know a, a decent starting point. Yeah. Um, so it, it is, you know, it's, it's, um, there, there were times in this whole process where I felt like I was a used car salesman were like, let me go talk to my manager, you know, <laughs> and uh, I'll be back. And they go talk to the wizard of Oz right. in the back room and come back and, Oh, I can do this. My manager won't let me do that. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, okay, yeah. And now I'm picturing myself. The last time I shopped for a used car, <laughs> I let that guy have it. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, so it, there, there is a lot of that. Okay. All right. Um, oh shoot! What was the other question, Chris? You're you drove it right out of my mind with your used car salesman thing. Well, let me talk one more thing, and then <laughs> yeah. if you remember, we can get back all on right. it. So that's that's you You can start do that. Like I said, once you get into that, maybe 10 to 15,000 gallons a month range. Um, if you're not there, your next best thing to do is, is kind of what we've talked a little bit about in the past is there are, um, fuel card companies that kind of bring in a lot of clients and they, they act like almost like a, a buying it's pool a together, yeah. a network. They're, they're not as good a deals. And, and it's usually you're getting the better pricing with the small mom and pops, which is a little bit harder to, to manage and um, it's less convenient, right? Um, but but it's it's still better than just paying the retail price of fuel. And so, like for instance, um, we've started one called Fuel Stream that we're trying to. It, it's kind of still in its infancy, but it, it's starting to gain this some is a, momentum. A fuel card, yeah, a fuel card that we're doing called Fuel Stream, and you know it, it'll be perfect for these guys that are smaller and maybe even in some situations bigger companies that that are fueling at specific locations or are, are able to, or willing to fuel at specific locations and okay. be able to save closer to what you could get as a, you know, a, a seven to 10 truck fleet. 
Okay. All right. Well, let me ask you this. I did remember my question. I love when we get into specifics, and I don't know if you have these numbers off the top of your head, but do you know what you're aiming for as you're trying to make these deals as far as, uh, you know, here's how much somebody could expect to take off of uh, retail? Uh, when they start these negotiations, do you know about what that's we're a, shooting for? That's a good question. I don't want to get into specifics because I, I don't want to get myself into trouble with who we're negotiating <laughs> with. And, and uh, I, I don't Here know. Here I what, go trying to ruin it. Chris. My suspicion is that the contracts that we sign will prevent us from really being able to talk about it. But right. I, I mean, it should be somewhat significant. Like I depending on what's happening with the fuel market, like you take, for example, when um, fuel prices are dropping, typically the retailers drop a lot slower than the wholesalers do. Mm. And so I've seen times when um, our our pricing that we had on our old fuel card, we'd save a dollar a gallon oh, wow. based off of what the retail price was. And so I, I don't think it's, you know, like a retail minus, I don't think it's, out of the realm of possibilities to start at, you know, a good 20, maybe even significantly more. That's why I think it's best to go find somebody and find out what they're getting, find out what they're getting, you know, and then talk to their fuel guy. Mm-hmm. Well, my buddy <laughs> that you know is getting this, that kind of puts them in a position where um, they kind of have to honor that or at least get you close or have a justification for why they can't get you as close. Maybe your buddy has a few more gallons, but it still gives you a good starting right. point. I am renaming this episode, though. It's Chris's Dirty Tricks. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, I like no, it. I mean, it's this is something that every trucking company is going to do or go through if, uh, yeah. uh, if they're smart about it. So, yeah. uh, so you're, you're not the only one out there doing these things. So, um, all right, Chris. So anything else with fuel costs that you want to make sure that we talk about? No, but I, I think this is probably something that's going to resurface more in the future. I, once we've got, you know, probably several months running under this new fuel program and, and have a little bit better idea of how it works and what the benefits have or haven't been, if it's really materialized the way that we think it has, we'll talk more about it. Okay. All right. Well, the next thing that uh, we wanted to bring up, and I remember us talking about this on the last episode um, you kind of chuckled a little bit talking about your banker buddies. <laughs> Want to talk about financing? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna. <sighs> he's, he's zenning out, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I've got to get. I've got to calm myself down a little bit while we talk about banking. <laughs> so, which uh, is great because I just reminded you that I used to work at a bank as yeah. a loan officer. Bankers are Oops. the best and the worst. <laughs> well, I don't know that I ever say they're the best, but would you ever say they're the worst? I mean, come on. Yeah, sometimes. Hey. Doggone it, Chris. Uh, no, what's what's going on? That's with, why you left, right? Well, <laughs> there were a multitude of reasons. Have you ever, uh, side note, Chris, have you ever had a job? No, because you're, you're a serial entrepreneur, so you haven't had many jobs. In I have your life, had but, some. But have you ever had a job that you were really good at that you hated? Because that was banking for me. I was really good at it. Really? Um, but I hated it. I hated every minute of it um, for a lot of reasons. And... I totally recognize that it for a certain personality type, it is a dream job <laughs> for mine. Not no. so much. So anyway, uh, all right. So what's going on with financing? You're trying to bring on a few more trucks. Uh, is, is this an issue that's uh, that has affected the last couple that you've brought on? Or is this something that's the, uh, affecting it, your future? It's the one that's affecting truck eight that we're trying to bring on right now ah. and truck um, 
nine, 10, maybe even 11. Okay. Um, cause, cause you, you kind of do the financing in batches. And so truck number, we, we truck number seven, trailer seven, all taken care of truck number eight. Um, we, we start, we had to start kind of one of those batches all over again. And I can't remember exact, the exact timeline, but we've been working on this financing for months now for mm. truck number eight. And we've probably been working on it for pretty close to a month when the bank came back and said, uh, we're not going to do this. We're not going to finance this truck. And this is at the point, like we're like the trucks in town. We basically just need to you pay for need, it. There's a yeah. few more things that need to be done with it, but we're within a week of being able to take possession of this truck. And they come back and say, Hey, we're not going to do this, but, um, we probably can do it if we do an SBA loan. So small business, small business admin. Yep. Okay. Loan. And we're like, okay. So we basically have to start the whole process all over again. And SBA loans are a nightmare because yes. you're dealing with the government. There's a l- more hoops you have to jump through lots of other things. And they go so much slower. Yeah. Oh. And you have to go back and get approval from the SBA you have to get this form. You submit this form. It's missing this verbiage. You have to go get it signed this way. Like there's literally, so one of my nightmares. It's a libertarian's oh nightmare. Oh my gosh. One of my, yeah. One of my nightmares was, so Nate and I are both in the National Guard. Yeah. And we had to get a letter from our ethics officer at the National Guard saying that we were legally okay there's no conflict of interest to go out and have employment outside of the National Guard. It's like, do you not know what the National Guard yeah, do is? Do you know how this works? It's like a part-time thing where you also have a civilian job, but yes, you are still part of the military. They're literally called weekend warriors. Exactly. So we, so we're like, okay, we got to get this memo. And so I go, I make some phone calls, figure out who can sign this memo for me. And, and it's basically a JAG. I've got a buddy that's a JAG. Um, I type out the memo and say, Hey, can you look this over and will you sign this? He looks it over. He adds the actual regulation into it that Mm. says it's okay to do that. And he signs and sends it back to, well, he signs it digitally and we submit it and the SBA comes back and says, no, we want a wet signature on this. So I have to go chase this. So I have to go chase him down, get him to sign it. Wet signature again. All right. And, And this is after back and forth. Like we've already probably, like I'd submitted, I had submitted them, res, um, uh, I had submitted them um, drafts of the memo before I ever got him right. to sign it. Is this okay? The way that I've worded it and went back and forth a bunch of times. Finally signs it, did, digitally signs it, submit it. They come back and say, no, it's got to be an ink signature. So I chase him down, get the ink signature, give it back to him. A couple of days later, I send it back. Oh, you know what? We want this other verbiage in it too. Uh-huh. So I got to go back another time and get him to sign it again which is so really I'm, like taxing I'm, I'm your bugging, relationship yeah, with this it's, guy it's taxing my relationship with it, it it's a jag it's a yeah. judge advocate advocate general like a an attorney in the military it's right. not like i'm just hey you Popping know Private Joe snuffy can you sign this it's, yeah it's somebody that's you know he's somewhat important within the military structure and i'm bugging him like a bajillion times <laughs> trying to get this stupid form so I can do something, which in my opinion, the SBA by even asking this is breaking the employment act that requires that as a national guard member, I'm protected from 
having employment issues right. because of my service in the National Guard. Well, my service in the National Guard is now causing me all kinds of issues trying to get this loan. But don't worry, Chris, I'm sure the federal government will be right on top of that. Yeah, They're going to sure. change yeah. that regulation mm-hmm. post haste. I'm, you know, part of me <laughs> wants to go like fight them after this and just make the process <laughs> easier for, yeah. for somebody else yeah. down the road because it's just, it, they shouldn't be asking that. Yeah. It, it, well, so, so let's go back to the bank or the bankers that you were working with. Um, why did this happen? Okay. So it, cause what it sounds like right here is, uh, yeah, the bankers were paying, but then making you go through government bureaucracy is just like, that's, that's nightmare level stuff. Right. Um, but why did they do this in the first place? You had seven trucks financed through them. And then what suddenly on number eight, they what took a look at the market and saw I, the rates or that what? might be a little part of it. I, I honestly, what I think it is, and you see this happen in lending all the time is typically a bank doesn't want to have all the, their lending eggs in one basket. They don't want, they only want a certain amount of money with one company at any right. given time. And so I think to their extent under their traditional lending program, we've maxed out with what they really want with any one company of our size. And, and, but honestly, then if that was the case, why didn't you tell us that three, three days into ago. the pro well, no, not even three trucks ago, like three days into the process for this loan. Why did we wait until we'd already been through a month right. worth of application process to tell us that, and then so, have to start it all over again with the SBA program. And, and the SBA program, the purpose of that being to lessen the risk on the, the, the bank, bank side of things by having the government basically underwrite the loan yeah. for them. Yes. Right. The, the government backing it up. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Uh, okay. So that's what's going on. What's the solution? What can you do about this? So we, we've gone through the whole process. Like I've talked about, we've gone back and forth. I think we've got it figured out. Um, everything's essentially been approved. I haven't gone back the fifth time to get that memo signed <laughs> by the JAG. I think we've got to do that. A couple other forms that we have to sign and it's done. And the bank is confident enough that they've actually, we just closed on a, they funded that truck today oh, with a bridge loan. So they're, they're lending us at like on a 90 day basis mm-hmm. money for that truck. So we paid for it. And so you can at least get so it. So we can at least get the, the truck out on the road and they, they're confident enough. This whole SBA is going to go through that. They've essentially fronted us the money for that. Okay. All right. So what what about going forward? You're talking about the next batch for eight, nine, ten, uh, and beyond. Do you just find another lender to go to? What what's your solution? I, th- I think that's going to happen. The other thing that we've talked about doing is, you know, we, we plan on adding five trucks next year. We've also starting to see that we may only be able to get four just because our the dealer is only getting so many trucks mm-hmm. next year. So we may uh, we, there's a chance we may only get three, really? and, and we, which will help some of that issue too, but we've also changed the timing. Um, we, we don't want to take any of the, the you know, I, I think we're good with this SBA loan. We'll take care of eight, nine, and 10. Um, and so that'll essentially take us through this year, but I don't think we're going to try to get another truck until around May of next year. That will allow us to have our taxes done for mm-hmm. 2022, submit new taxes with higher revenue exactly. and and kind of free up some of our lending capability. And and so I think that will help. So, us. yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about that because on a, when you're going for a personal loan, you know, you're going for a home loan, a car loan or whatever. Yeah. They're going to look at your 
tax returns. So it's not how much did you make last month? It's uh, show me your 2022 tax return, you know, uh, but it sounds like it's kind of similar for a company as well. When you're looking to do something like this, the, the corporation has to show, um, you know, it's not, hey, here's how much we made in the last four months. It's uh, here's what our growth has been year over year for the last few years. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so by waiting until May, it doesn't doesn't really matter much what you do from January to May, but what matters are your, so that'll be 2023. What matters are your 2022 numbers. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. They, okay. they want to see that, you know, essentially the numbers, the, the revenue that we're bringing in justifies the additional payments of the trucks and where we've grown so much in 2022, like we essentially went from, I don't know, three trucks to by the end of the year, 10 trucks I and mean, that that's a lot of that's a lot of growth in yeah. one year and that's that's part of the problem right i'm we've sure just, it makes we've just grown nervous. so fast yeah okay well uh anything else on lending that you want to go over chris i think we've probably beaten that the, uh, that <laughs> horse well enough at this point let's Fine. move on for the sake of the listeners yeah uh, that's it you know what that sounds like a great racehorse name sba <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, all right uh last topic that we have is dropping rates um like we talked about last episode you know a year ago you were hitting three bucks a mile plus yep. uh, some months uh, with your rate per mile and now last month it was down in the what 230 range somewhere in there 36 i think yeah 236 uh so just a precipitous drop over the last 12 months and in some measure we just have to say hey that's what markets do uh, you know the, the freight market is always going to be rising and falling rising and falling things are cyclical that way but you can say that and then dismiss it and say, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. On the other hand, you can say, yeah, rates are cyclical. So here's how you prepare. Here's what you can do about it. Um, is, that, is that fair? That's fair. And and we also look at like the differences is the spot market too. The, so rates across the freight, freight industry can be cyclical, mm. but the rates in the spot market are far more cyclical. And so the high... The, the highs are usually higher. So d- real quick, define the spot market for me and for anybody else who doesn't know so the, the terminology. So the spot market is anytime like a, a shipper, is, there's some shippers that put all of their freight on the spot market because they, they don't necessarily have enough items being shipped to warrant relationships with carriers. And so they it's basically the load boards is okay. really what the spot market is. And so like, they they'll post it onto a load board. It, it's not a contracted essentially right. um, thing. Um, so it's, it's usually a, not going through a, a, or it's you, if it's on the spot market, most of the time it's going through a broker. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just, so that. it's being calculated load by load mm-hmm. versus I have a contract with this shipper and we're going to be working with them for the next year yeah. on this many loads. Yep. Okay. And so it has a tendency the the valleys in the spot market are way lower mm. than what's out there on the contract market or more the direct shipper market. So um, yeah, if you if you sign a contract, a, a direct contract with a shipper, um, are you are you locking in a rate or are you locking in maybe a range? There, it, it, there's a whole different. There, there's a variety to how you can negotiate those, and yeah. so some of them are, are both of those options that you explained are very common ones. You know, sometimes it's this is what we're going to pay. If fuel goes above this much, we'll 
put a fuel surcharge on it, mm-hmm. and that's that's, that's what it, it is. Um, and and then others will pay a range based on the time of the year or some other factors, and um, it, it can be a, a a myriad of things. But this is, I'm assuming, the way that you're going to mitigate some of that up and down from the spot market is what you've been preaching since the very beginning of this podcast, which is you want to work toward those direct relationships, right? Yep. Right. So, and that's what you guys are doing. You said you found somebody uh, in the last episode that, uh, that is going to help out with this issue. We've been running with them for about a month now. Um, Roughly in in August, 66% of our loads out of Salt Lake went through them. I think that's going to get even higher. I think we'll get up above the 80% range oh, wow. of our loads going out of Salt Lake. We'll go through them. Um, and and I wouldn't even be surprised if at some point, <laughs> at some times of the year, it gets up 100% of right. our loads now, are it, going with them. Like a like a banker with too many eggs in one basket. Does that make you nervous at all? It, it does a little bit. I, th- I think at some point, I mean, worst case scenario, we just always have the spot market to fall back on. Right. Um, but I, I think as we grow, we'll probably want to develop a few more of those relationships. At some point we're going to have more trucks than it necessarily makes sense to run just with them. Right. Or we may want to break it up a little bit and, um, you know, have an, another relationship or two like that. So our eggs aren't all in one basket. Right. Okay. But we, we talked a little bit about the, the benefits with them last month, um, or last episode, uh, so, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this as time goes on, once we've got a, a little bit more time running with them and, and know what, uh, you know, kind of what the, the pros and the cons, the benefits, the advantages, disadvantages of this relationship have been. One, one thing that I, you know, as we've talked with them and try to get a better understanding of how this relationship works and what's the benefit to them versus the benefit to us. One thing that I, I really want to put into people's heads is you would probably be surprised how much of a benefit a direct relationship to a carrier is to a shipper as much as it is for the carrier to have that relationship with the shipper. It goes both ways. And the big thing is, is they, you know, a lot of shippers don't particularly love running rote loads through brokers. They'd rather deal directly with the carrier because Mm. one, especially if it's a smaller carrier, they have a tendency to care more they're more on top of things when there are issues. There's fewer issues. And when there are issues, they're not necessarily having to work through a middleman. They can go right. straight to the horse's mouth and get things figured out and, and get things resolved. And so I mean, we we could bring up the example you had earlier of the employee who was who got into a little accident in the yard of that particular shipper. Yeah. And they were able to go straight to you instead yep. of having to. And we to- got it taken care of. And and we actually I, I think in some ways that was a blessing in disguise because they saw like how serious we took that relationship mm-hmm. and we went like it did everything we can to fix and resolve that issue as quickly as we can and as painlessly for them as it possibly could because we we lo- we we value that relationship whereas you know if it was a carrier that a broker had found the carrier is going to use them one time they might not give a dang that's like I'm, we're going to walk away from it who cares right. we're never okay. going to see you guys again so it, my point being is don't be afraid, even if you are smaller, even if you're a single owner operator, don't be afraid to go to some of these shippers and show them how you can be a better service, make their lives easier for them right. than dealing with a broker is. They, they don't want to go to brokers unless they have to most of the time. Right. And, and neither does the, uh, the driver or the owner operator. Right. right. 
Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Anything else on that topic? I think that's Would, about it. Okay. I think, I think that wraps the whole episode up. It, well, it, it had better. I think we're setting some records <laughs> on uh, on length here. Yeah. So uh, no, it's uh, which I'm happy to do. I find this stuff fascinating. I just hope that uh, for you know all eight of you still listening, <laughs> forty five minutes later, whatever it's been. Uh, no, I hope that people did listen through this whole thing because there's a lot of nuggets in here, a lot of wisdom, Chris. Uh, I'm afraid I'm calling you wisdomous. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's mostly coming from me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've got stories from you my have banking some good days. Stories. Yeah, you have <laughs> some stories. Yeah. You threw some good notes. <laughs> <laughs> you said some good nuggets in there. That's it. No, um, no. I hope people listened through the whole thing and, uh, and appreciated that. Um, if you did, go to Holland Assets LLC, go to the show notes for the show notes page for this episode and, and let us know uh, what you think of an episode like this. Chris, there are some things from here that I want to dive into more, uh, but that's going to have to wait for future episodes. Um, but I, I think that there's some good stuff in here. Yeah, I, I think we, some of the things that we've talked about today will probably have their own episodes. Um, yeah. In the near future. Yeah. So uh, in the meantime, everybody, make sure you go to, uh, I already said hollandassetsllc.com, but I say it again so that it really lodges into people's minds and motorcarrierhq.com for all the the resources uh, that you need for, you know, starting or continuing your own business. So. And also if you um, haven't uh, given us a review on whatever podcast Mm. listening um, app that you use, Please go do that. I, I, we read through them. We, we like to hear your positive and negative feedback. Let us know what you do or don't like about it. So uh, go rate us. It helps us out and we can hopefully make the, this show even better. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Chris. And thanks everybody for listening. We will see you next time. See you later.